Greetings, everybody. Um, welcome to the end of the road. It's been a hell of a journey. It's spanned over, I think, two months. Can't remember exactly when I started this. I would have to actually go back and look at the date the first episode was published, but here we are. Um, if you are listening to this on the free feeds, uh, this is the final episode of my uh, MCU Top 10 Films. Um, the other nine episodes are available exclusively in audio form at patreon.com slash allournonsense. So if you're hearing this and you're like, why are you only giving us number one? Where are the other nine? You have to go subscribe to Patreon to get that information. Um, I decided to release this episode for free on the free feeds because it is the top episode. But again, the other nine episodes in audio form are exclusive to patreon.com slash allournonsense. Again, hello, my name is Derek. Um, how's everybody doing? I want to thank you for going on this journey with me. Um, recording this today is actually some form of therapy for me. I'll say that. It's therapeutic. Um, this has been a really tough year for me. Um, I've had a lot of family move away. Um, I've had some personal issues, some professional issues. Um the, uh, you know, my dog who I'd had for 11 years, I had to put her to sleep in January. And then a week later, Kobe Bryant is, you know, one of my idols that was really tough on me. Um, the pandemic has been really hard. The systemic racism that I've endured my entire life has always been hard, but it's always been something in the back of my mind. And I understood that being a black man that Unfortunately, this is what it is to be a black man in the United States of America and in other parts of the world as well. I don't want to reduce this to just being a United States problem because I've heard from people in other countries systemic racism exists there as well. Um, so mixing that with the pandemic has been really fucking hard, you know, to say the least. Um, I want to thank you guys for allowing me to take the break and not tweeting and, and bitching at me like where's the next episode i know we don't have that many listeners but to the community of listeners that we do have i want you all to know how much i appreciate you and when i when i turn the mic on and i press record i'm doing it for you guys the ones who still tune in and who really give a shit about the content so i want to thank you very much for being members of the All Our Nonsense community. And some of you who go back to the All Things Fucking Considerate community before uh, the legal entanglements with the good people of NPR. Um, again, here we are at the end of this particular journey. There will be more journeys for us, but this particular journey has come to a close. This is my top 10 uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, my favorite films. Um, I'm gonna recap the list for you. Number 10, I had Avengers Endgame. Number 9, I had Iron Man. Number 8, Black Panther. Number 7, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Number 6, uh, Captain America, The First Avenger. Number 5, Thor Ragnarok. Number 4, Avengers Age of Ultron. Number 3, Avengers Infinity War. Number 2, Captain America, Winter Soldier. And number 1, Captain America, Civil War. Congratulations to Kevin Feige. Um... Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, uh, Anthony Mackie, Don Cheadle, uh, Chris Hemsworth, Paul Rudd, um, what is the, um, I can't think of her name, the Olsen sister from the MCU, Elizabeth Olsen, Emily Van Camp, Tom Holland, Frank Grillo, William Hurt, Daniel Bruh, Chadwick Boseman, Jeremy Renner, uh, did I say Chris Evans already? Anthony and Joe Russo, the Russo brothers, and so many more who have made the MCU one of the bright spots that I look forward to on a yearly basis. I'm used to getting two MCU films. Uh, we were supposed to get Black Widow a couple weeks back due to the pandemic. Obviously, that's been pushed back into the fall. Uh, hopefully, things will be safe for us to resume life, I guess, is normally possible. Um, you know, the belief is that we're going to have a spe second spike in the COVID-19 cases, some people believe that that's, that has to do with the flu season, and some people believe that all the protests will lead in the spike in the COVID cases as well. 
Um, I don't want to talk about any of that anymore. I'm here to talk about this film and my appreciation of this film. Um, as I've said in previous episodes, and again, if you're listening to this on the free feeds, patreon.com slash all our nonsense, you can get those other episodes. Um, putting together the list was not hard. I sat down and I thought, okay, well, what are my favorite films in the MCU? Easy. Here's a list of 10. Now, putting them in order from 10 to 1 in lists in terms of importance to me, that was the tricky part. I always knew this film, Civil War, was going to be number one because to me it's the crux of the MCU. It's where things really start to change. Uh, the Civil War comic book story arc is also one of my favorites as well. So it being right here on the list makes a lot of sense. Now, the comic book story arc is drastically different. Well, I wouldn't say drastic. It's different from the movie story arc. Remember, just like Infinity War, uh, the comic arc is drastically different from the movie arc. Um, a lot of these things are, are completely different, you know, from their comic book counterpart. It doesn't make them any less uh, revered or anything like that. I think that they're all phenomenal in both forms of media, um, comics as well as the film universe. Um, Civil War spoke to me um, because it's about friendship and sometimes friendship can go awry and things that are completely out of your control can sometimes cause the end of a relationship. Sorry, my list just fell if you guys are hearing that. Sometimes things that are completely out of control, out of your control and through no fault of your own can cause a relationship, a friendship, or anything like that to dissolve. And that's the reality of being an adult. Um, I'm pretty sure we've all had friends who were like our best friend when we were kids and we like were in elementary school with them. And then maybe your parents or their parents gets a different job somewhere else and they move away. And you're like, man, this sucks. This is my best friend. Or... You know, because distance can can be a hindrance on a friendship, and distance can be a hindrance on a relationship as well. Um, anybody that's ever been in a long-distance relationship can attest to that. It can be very, very tough. And then there are other factors involved. You know, somebody um, in the back of your mind, you may feel maybe they're seeing someone else. And then you would have people around you like, you know, they're messing with somebody else because you're not there. You know, somebody's there. So, you know, those things can tear apart a relationship. I've experienced things like that myself. Um, I've had friends move away because their parents got a different job. I've moved away for certain reasons that as, um, as a 13-year-old, I didn't agree with why my parents wanted to move away from the place that I was most comfortable in. And it had been my home my whole life. University City, Missouri is my home. And at 13, my parents decided, we're not going to live here anymore. And at 13, you're out of your crying phase. You, as a man, you, well, you're expected. Let me say that. You're expected to be out of the phase where you cry about things. It's just not acceptable socially. And those are kind of the clamps that we've been putting on men. You know, we're told, hey, don't cry. Be a man. Man up. Don't be bitch. Be a man. Fucking man up. I don't want to see any tears. I was hurt. I'd grown up with these people since I was a little kid. This is my home. Um, everything I knew, um, my personality comes from where I grew up. Um, the way I view education and the educational system I was brought up in comes from where I grew up. All those things are di a direct... Um, they are a direct of growing up in University City, Missouri. Uh, Washington University is one of the best medical schools in the country. I could walk out the front of my elementary school and see the Washington University campus. I lived in a very nice neighborhood. I knew all the people there. They knew me. Some of those people still live in those neighborhoods. And when I go back, they say, hey, Derek, it's good to see you. Like, and when I tell them, yeah, I'm a dad now, they're like, I remember when you were just a little snot-nosed kid running around here and all you want to do is play baseball and read comic books and play video games. And these people have known me my whole life. And um, 
I've seen their children grow up. I see them with now having grandchildren. So these personal relationships are very, very important to me. University City is my home and it always will be. It made me the man that I am. And no matter where I go in the world, University City will always be my home. No matter what my address is, if you ask me, hey, where are you from? I'm from University City, Missouri. And that's St. Louis? Well, yes, but I'm from University City, Missouri. There's a different walk and talk and the way we carry ourselves is different. It just is. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine about this the other day. You know, he also grew up there. And um, people, we were on set of the film. Most of you listen know that I'm um, producing an independent film and we were on set of the film and we're the only two guys from the area and everybody's like, well, why is it so different? I'm like, it just is. And Brian had the same reply to them. It just is. We, University City is just different. Ask Nelly, ask Brad Bill, you know, you know, ask... Um, God, who else? Just anybody. It's just a different vibe, a different feel. But it is my home. And the friendships that I forged there as a as a kid and, and as a uh, adolescent are still prevalent today. You know, some of my best friends, even though we're at different places in the world, we still, you know, talk to each other. Remember when we did this? And remember, this is who I am and this is what I was. But... Tying that all in with this particular episode is the fact that this film is so important because it caused a it caused a rift in the Avengers team. Um, background about the film: Captain America: Civil War is a 2016 American superhero film based on Marvel Comics character Captain America, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Studio Motion Pictures. It is a sequel to Captain America: The First Avenger of 2011 and Captain America: The Winter Soldier of 2014. It is the 13th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, aka the MCU. The film was directed by Anthony and Joe Russo from a screenplay by the writing team of Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely and stars Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, Captain Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, alongside an ensemble cast including Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, Don Cheadle, Jeremy Renner, Chadwick Boseman, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Rudd, Emily Van Camp, Tom Holland, Frank Grillo, William Hurd, and Daniel Brühl. In Captain America Civil War, disagreement over international oversight of the Avengers fractures the team into opposing factions, one led by Steve Rogers and the other led by Tony Stark. Development of Civil War began in late uh, 2013 with Marcus and McFeely began writing the screenplay, which borrows concepts from the 2006 comic book storyline Civil War, while also focusing on story and character elements from the previous Captain America films to conclude the trilogy. Following positive reactions to The Winter Soldier, the Russo brothers were brought back to direct in early 2014. The film's title and premise were revealed in October of 2014, along with Downey's involvement in Stark. Additional cast members joined in the following months. Principal photogra photography I'm sorry, began in April 2015 at Pinewood Studios, Pinewood Atlanta Studios, I'm sorry, in Fayette County, Georgia, and continued in the metro Atlanta area before concluding in Germany in August of 2015. With the film being the first to use IMAX digital 2D cameras for the film's central airport fight sequence, visual effects were provided by nearly 20 different studios. Captain America Civil War held its world premiere in Los Angeles on April 12, 2016, and was released in the United States on May 6 as the first film in Phase 3 of the MCU. The film was a critical and commercial success, grossing over $1.1 billion worldwide and garnering praise from the performances, particularly Evans and Downey. Cap and Tony stole the show. There's no argument there. I think anybody who's seen this film multiple times would agree. Action, screenplay, and themes, it became the highest grossing film of 2016 and the 12th highest grossing film of all time. The characters, of course, based on Captain America by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Um, there's a trend here. If you remember the list that I ran off for you earlier, all three Captain America films are on my list. The top two are Captain America films. If you did not know, I'm a really big Captain America fan. Um, Captain Rogers is referred to as the man out of time. In the MCU, he basically was frozen in ice 
near the end of World War II and did not awake till 70 years later in the 2010s. In the comic book universe, Captain America frozen in ice near the end of World War II and awoke in the 60s. And that was drastically different for him. So imagine how drastically different the world was in 2011 for Captain Steve Rogers. This is a guy who's used to saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, to waking up in 2011 was just like, oh, shit, fuck all this. Like, whoa, kiss your mother with that mouth? So very, very different world. Steve is still adjusting. And through this adjustment period, he come to find out the woman he was in love with has since gotten married and had kids. Heartbreaker. But also, she was 90 years old. Steve and Bucky, also 90 years old, but they were frozen, so they look good as new. Peggy, unfortunately not. And by the way, shout out to Haley Outwell, who did a phenomenal job as Agent Peggy Carter, not only in the MCU films, but also in Agent Carter, the television series, Unfortunately, only got two seasons, which was a complete oversight and mistake. You can watch all two seasons on Disney Plus right now. You should go watch this show because Haley Atwell is phenomenal. Um, getting back to the film, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Avengers split into two factions. This film is very important for another reason. I'm a big Captain America fan. My favorite comic book character of all time is Spider-Man. I would say Spider-Man, Superman, and Cap. Those are my top three. And then Cyclops from the X-Men. Uh, and then I would say Archangel from the X-Men as well. Um, it's the first time we got to see Peter Parker in the MCU. Well, technically not the first time. If you remember Iron Man 2, the fight at the Stark Expo with Tony War Machine and um, Mickey Rourke's character, I can't think of the name right there, there's a little kid in an Iron Man helmet, and the Stark Expo is held in Flushing, Queens, New York. It's implied that that little kid was young Peter Parker, but they didn't mention that until Tom Holland as Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, joined the MCU. Uh, the good folks at Disney sat down with the people at Sony and basically said, the fans deserve to see Spider-Man amongst the other characters in the marvel cinematic universe what can we do to make a deal and they made a deal and we got spider-man uh in civil war we got spider-man homecoming we got spider-man in infinity uh war and in game and then spider-man far from home and then whew, shit went kaput i don't know what happened it it, it had something to do with uh the residual splits between Disney and Sony, um, because Disney handled the, the marketing budget, they handled the production budget, but Sony apparently wanted more because they own the licensing rights to Spider-Man in the film universe. Um, so it looked like uh, Far From Home was going to be the last Spider-Man film, or spi last appearance of Spider-Man in the MCU. Disney and Sony have since worked that out, so we are going to get more Tom Holland in the MCU, and he's a phenomenal Spider-Man. Um, the central conflict of this, of this film um, is just what side are you on, basically. Um, as this film starts, uh, it, it picks up, I believe, in Lagos, and the Avengers are on a mission, and there's basically a a weapon of mass destruction. And when people hear that, you think atomic bomb or something like that. A WMD can be anything small enough. Even, like, the pandemic. Let's say that COVID-19 was a virus that was um, invented in a lab, and it was in a small vial of glass. And then somebody knows, hey, this could cause a pandemic and wipe out half of the population anywhere. And it's like, oh shit, better not let that get out, right? And at that point, it's a weapon of mass, destru mass destruction. If I can throw this at the ground and it break and then this virus spreads and kills people, it's a weapon of mass destruction. You've weaponized a virus, right? If somebody were to weaponize the flu, well, it's not going to kill anybody unless they're 
um, unless their immune system is very, very weak, and that's not exclusive to the elderly population, which is what, you know, when, when COVID-19, you know, started to take over the U.S., to like, oh, it's only going to affect the old people, and that wasn't true. They told us we couldn't, they told us black people couldn't catch it, which was a fucking lie. They told us dogs couldn't catch it, which was a fucking lie, and we... The more we the more we went along, the more we found out about the virus itself. Um, in this instance, I forget exactly what the virus is or what it is, but uh, Crossbones wanted it. Um, and this is a guy who basically had <laughs> he had this career within Shield, and when Cap brought down Shield because he found out that Hydra had infiltrated. When Cap and Falcon and Widow brought down S.H.I.E.L.D., well then for Crossbones, what was there left? He was also disfigured. He had his face horribly disfigured. So this guy, who's this American icon, took everything from me. So in turn, what am I going to do? Now, he could have been stealing it to sell it to arms dealers or whatever the fucking situation was. I don't know. The fact of the matter was, he was going to get this thing. So, again, the movie picks up in Lagos. Um, this is after Age of Ultron, so we now have a newer Avengers team. Thor's not there. Tony's not there. Banner's not there. We've got Cap, Falcon, Black Widow, um, um, Jeez, I'm sorry. I'm at a loss right now. Black Widow, um, uh, Scarlet Witch, they're all there. And in basically trying to save the day, there's there's repercussions. You know, and there's the recourse is we have to kind of put the clamps on these guys. But there's reper repercussions. Um, a building blew up because Crossbones, you know, basically was going to kill Captain America with a grenade, and Scarlet Witch used her power to basically grab the bomb after it already went out and threw the fire up into a building, killing whoever was in that building, right? So it's like, the Avengers are here to save the day, but in the midst of saving the day, well, you fuck a lot of shit up. Think back to the Battle of New York. Times Square doesn't look too good after that. You know, uh, um, think of uh, the battle in Age of Ultron, Sokovia. Well, there's under, you know, there, there's undertones right there. Because of what happened in Sokovia, half of the fucking place lifted up well into the sky. And then it came crashing down and killed a lot of people. So while they're all off in Lagos trying to save the day and basically fucking up the area in the in the in the point of saving the day and I tell people this all the time um there is a phrase it's Latin it's sic vi pacum parabellum and the translation is if you want peace prepare for war in seeking peace we've had you know, World War One, World War Two, uh, the Desert Storm era, I was alive for. We've had the Vietnam War, we've had the Korean War. Um, we've had the war on terrorism after the attacks on our country on September 11th of 2001. When you're seeking peace, war sometimes has to be instituted. And unfortunately, people are going to lose their lives. That's why there's the term, you're a casualty of war. And that's used in everyday, you know, life. It's like, you didn't really shoot anybody. It's like, hey, um, somebody told me this information about such and such. Did you know this? And then you find out and you're like, no, but what the hell? I'm going to go tell such and such. No, you can't do that because they told me not to tell. Oh, unfortunately, you're just a casualty of war. Sorry. I'm not letting this go. So it's become like part of um, part of our vernacular, to say the least. Um, but Sokovia, there's an issue. What happened in Lagos becomes an issue. 
And what happens in one area does affect the neighboring communities. So this is the first time Black Panther is hinted at. Well, actually, this is the first time Black Panther is hinted at, but Wakanda was mentioned in Age of Ultron because that's where the vibranium came from. Uh, of course, if you don't know, vibranium is what Ultron wanted to make a stronger suit for himself, a stronger body for himself, and also Captain America's shield is made of vibranium. It is the strongest metal known to man. Vibranium does not exist. Just throwing that out. This is a fictionary, this is a work of fiction. Vibranium is not a real alloy of metal, so if you're going over to Africa to try to mine vibranium, don't waste your time on the plane ticket. That's all I'm saying. You're going to be severely disappointed. Um, so yeah, but this is the first time Wakanda and the Black Panther are truly... Well, Wakanda was acknowledged with the Black Panther. This is the first acknowledgement of the Black Panther in the MCU. Um, Wakanda would have been a neighboring place, and King T'Challa... Uh, T'Chaka, I'm sorry, King T'Chaka obviously wanted to step in because of what had happened and he went to the United Nations. Um, now, Wanda Maximoff, aka the Scarlet Witch, she's just really heartbroken and she's 19 years old. Keep that in mind. She's a kid. She's a fucking kid. She's already lost her parents and then her and her brother were weaponized to go against the Avengers and then in Age of Ultron, her brother dies. She's the Avengers are all she has left. And I think that's the reason she joined the team because that was she had nobody else. So this girl's lost her parents and her brother. Everybody she loved, she lost. And then later on, obviously, she develops a romantic relationship with the Vision, and then he's gone. This woman keeps losing everybody she loves, and she's 19 years old. Let's remember that fact. So she's broken up about this, and, you know... Back at Avengers West, Cap is trying to talk to her about it. Uh, maybe, yeah, it was, maybe, I don't know if it was the West Coast office of the Avengers, but Cap's trying to talk to her about it, and Vision comes in, and he's like, Mr. Stark is here, and he's bought uh, Thunderball Ross with him, who, of course, is the father of Betty Ross, who was the love interest of uh, Bruce Banner, a.k.a. the Hulk. Um, and... Ross is fed up because the world is fed up. Now the world, as Ross says, the world owes the Avengers a great debt. However, we cannot allow you all to continue to operate um, basically with immunity. You've been flying and running around the world doing what you want to do and there have been casualties at the hands of you guys because you are superhumans. You guys have powers. Aside from Stark and and Rhodey and um, Stark, Rhodey and Falcon, you know, and, and Black Widow, she didn't have any superpowers either. But you know, Cap, the super so uh, soldier serum is coursing through his veins. Um, Maximoff was created, you know, for a certain reason. She was just a regular human being, so. You guys have, yeah, you've been saving the world. You saved New York. You saved Sokovia. But a lot of people died in, in you doing what you did. And we're grateful, but we got to put handcuffs on you. And we got to make sure that you guys, you guys just can't oper operate on your own accord. Um... It has, this is a mandate. You're not just going to get in your jet and fly wherever you want and decide you're going to break up, you know, crime on a higher level. Because it's not like they're, you know, the funny thing is, in, in Infinity War, Tony told Peter to go home and then Peter shows up on Ebony Maw's ship and he's like, I thought I told you to go home. And he's like, I'm a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But if there's no neighborhood to protect, then what good am I? And even at like, I think Peter's like 15 or 16 at that point, it made sense. But at 15 or 16, you shouldn't be a superhero. You should be enjoying, you know, your adolescence. Because let me fucking tell you, when you get to be an adult and you have to pay bills, 
It's not sweet. I'm just being honest. So enjoy your life as a kid. And for Tony, losing to Thanos on Titan, it wasn't about the loss. It's about the fact that he lost Peter because the rest of them had the opportunity to live their lives. But Peter was still in high school. So I think that was the toughest loss for him. And also, leading into the conflict, Tony was talking to Pepper about having a kid, and he kind of looked at Peter as a son, and then he's like, the first thing he says when he gets off the ship in Endgame is, I lost the kid. And his reason for stepping away and not initially wanting to help them was that in the five years between the snap and then the future, Tony and Pepper had had a child. And he was like, this is my world right here, and I cannot lose this. And you guys have got to understand this. But going back again to the central conflict of this film, um, we got to put you guys in check. That's basically what the government, in the, U the, the government in the United States and the UN was telling them. You guys, we have to put you in check. And... They came up with the Sokovia Accords, and basically it was a contract, and it was ratified. It was going to be ratified at the UN, and uh, it basically stated you just cannot jump in the Quinjet and go and kill people whenever you feel like it. If we feel the threat is great enough, we will send you guys in to neutralize the threat. Where Cap believes the safest hands are our own, and you know. Um, Sam Falcon felt the same way. Um, now after the events of the Age of Ultron, Clint went home. That was it for him. He was quits. He just went home and he wanted to enjoy being a dad. And as a father, I can sympathize with that. Who as a kid, as a, as a male or female American who read comic books, or not even American, anywhere across the globe, if you read comic books... At some point, you wanted to be a superhero. At some point, when I was a kid, I would wrap a towel around my neck because I didn't have a cape because I wanted to be Superman. But when you become a man and you mature, and, and, and a lot of people can attest to this, maturity comes when you become a parent. It forces you to grow up because there's a life that depends on you. And unfortunately for some kids, they don't have that with their parents. But they do have quasi-parents who come from other places and that's where they get their love from and that's perfectly fine but um clint went home clint went home wanda had no home to go home to her parents were gone her brother was gone vision is not a human being so they're all there for a reason now natasha didn't necessarily want to sign the accords for Tony, it was about, I cannot think of the name of the character, but she's played by Alfre Woodard. It was an emotional time. She caught him at a very, very emotional time. Tony was giving a speech at MIT, which is his alma mater, and he used the technology to basically um, create a scene that would have taken place in his childhood home, him being home from, from college, from MIT for the holidays to see his parents, and his parents leaving to go out of town. It's like, well, why the fuck did I come home? And Howard and Maria Stark are on their way on vacation, but Howard has to stop by the Pentagon. And after leaving the Pentagon, Howard and Maria Stark are killed. And then we come to find out it was Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier. Now, as Tony shows off this technology and he's reading his speech from the teleprompter, there comes a point where he's supposed to introduce Pepper. And at the implication is that based on the events of Iron Man 3, Pepper, it, Tony and Pepper are kind of having a tough time right now. And anybody that's been in a relationship, we all know what that feels like. And I can sympathize with Tony because Robert Downey Jr. is a phenomenal actor. What I saw in his face in that scene in Civil War, I've seen that in my face before, and it's usually from dealing with relationship problems. So he finishes and goes to the basement, and he's greeted by a woman 
who reaches in her purse and he thinks that she's pulling for a gun and she pulls out a picture of her son who had just graduated with honors and before he started out in the business world he wanted to kind of do some traveling and, and help people out in other areas of the world and he just happened to be one of the people that were killed unfortunately due to the events in Sokovia so it hit Tony really hard right then and there when Tony and Ross show up to the Avengers compound to tell the rest of the team about the Sokovia Accords and they're like you're being really really quiet for you especially and Cap said that's because he's already made his mind up and Tony had already signed and there was this conflict. This is the central conflict, and this is why we're here. This is good versus, no, this is stupid. And they want to weaponize us and use us when they want to. And I have to agree with that end of the argument because Captain America is a result of the super soldier serum to create an army of super soldiers. It just so happened that Hydra interfered the serum was destroyed, and Steve Rogers is all that's left of that experiment. Otherwise, now, the thing is, had they still had the serum and they could replicate it, they would have sent Steve Rogers into war. They didn't because he was too much of a risk because his DNA contained the super soldier serum, and if they wanted to replicate that, they could not risk losing him. Otherwise, they would have sent him off to war. So here Rogers is, 70 years later, understanding that they just want to weaponize us. They don't really give a shit because there are casualties of war. And if you just look down the history books, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War One, the Korean War, World War Two, Vietnam, um, the Middle Eastern War, and the war on terrorism. There have been casualties every single time. So that's what happens in war. It's just the long and short of it. Sick v. Pacum Parabellum. If you want peace, prepare for war. So Steve understood that. However, Tony didn't. Tony should have understood it because he went to sell weapons to a government in the Middle East and his truck was bombed and as a result he created the iron man suit to get himself the hell out of there and he saw what was going on and when he came back he made it known that stark industries no longer wanted to be profiteers of war little kids were being killed with these weapons that were being created at stark industries so if anybody should have understood it then yeah it should have been tony but because he was emotionally going through some things and this woman caught him right after seeing a hologram of the last time he saw his parents and then being reminded that he's having relationship issues, all that hit home. She caught him at a moment of weakness in my, in my belief and that's what caused Tony to sign the Sokovia Accords. Now in the middle of all this, Steve gets a text message that Peggy passed away in her sleep and he leaves and heads to the UK for the funeral. And at the end, you know, in the middle of the funeral, Sharon Carter gets up to speak and Steve finds out that Sharon is the niece of Peggy Carter. Now, for those of you who don't know, in the comic book, Sharon Carter was the love interest of Steve Rogers. Peggy Carter was not. Peggy Carter is more of a conduit for romance in the film universe, but in the comic book series, it was always Sharon Carter. So he finds out that Sharon is the niece of Peggy, and he's obviously, you know, kind of been into her. He didn't know. He just thought that she was a nurse who lived across the hall from him. He didn't know that she was a plant there by S.H.I.E.L.D. to kind of look over him. So he starts to find this all out. He finds that out in... Um, in the Winter Soldier, and then he finds out in Civil War that she's actually Peggy's niece. Um, at the end of the funeral, um, Scarlett Johansson, um, Black Widow, aka Natasha Romanoff, shows up, and you know, she's like, I came to be here because you're a friend, and I didn't want you to be alone, and I know how much you love Peggy and how tough this is for you. 
Um, she's gone. The only other two people you knew in the world were her and Bucky. Because remember, Steve's parents died when he was younger. And at this point, he now knows that Bucky's alive, but he doesn't know where the fuck Bucky is. And um, she lets him know that, yeah, I signed. I signed the accords. And, you know, you should come with me to the UN so they can ratify this thing. And you'll kind of get an idea of what's going on. So fast forward, we're at the UN. King T'Chaka's speaking. And a bomb goes off. And it kills King uh, T'Chaka amongst other people, and the number one suspect is James Buchanan Barnes, a.k.a. Bucky, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier. And this starts off this arms race between them to bring him in. T'Challa wanted him because he's inherently responsible for the death of my father. The UN and the government wants him because now he's a threat. He's a terroristic threat um, the world over. And then Cap wants to bring him in because it's still his best friend at the end of the day. And that's the thing that people, like, like, don't do this, Steve, don't get involved. And he's like, he's my best friend. I just lost the love of my life. He's the only other person that knows what it feels like to be alive in the 2010s. And we were born in the fucking 1920s. So for Steve Rogers, there's conflict there. This chase around the world, you know, we we get to see the Black Panther in action for the first time. I think the chase sequence is phenomenal. You know, and Steve and Bucky start to, Bucky starts to remember who Steve is. And, you know, the funniest thing, I think the best line in the film to me is after the bomb goes off and Steve is waiting from, uh, he's waiting for a file from Sharon Carter, and uh, she's not supposed to share this information. You know, 100% she's not. And she gives him the file, and he's sitting there, and Sam tells him, you know, be sure about this. He's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, he'd do the same for me. And Sam tells him, in 1945, maybe, we're talking about something different now. And he's like, you know, just think about this because the people that shoot at me, shoot at you, usually end up shooting at me as well. But I'm going to stand by you because I am a friend. And in Endgame, when Steve comes back as an old man and gives Sam the shield, that's why people are like, well, why didn't he give it to Bucky? And I'm like, no, it made perfect sense for him to give it to Sam. When, when we find him in The Winter Soldier... It's Sam who's helping him get reacquainted with life and helping him, you know, catch up on the stuff that he missed from being frozen for 70 years. So to me, it made perfect sense for Sam to get the shield. And Cap and Sam had a great relationship. If if you're not aware of the comic books, you know, um, I would urge you to go back and, and, and read them. Um, it's hard to find that stuff in print now, but Marvel does have an app available on iOS and Android. So if you have an iPhone, you can read it there. It's also available on the Marvel website, so you can read it there on a web browser. But go back and read that stuff. Um, I have the history of Captain America from, I'd have to check on my hard drive. I've got like 11 years worth of Captain America comic books. Uh, my digital comic book collection is insane, so... Uh, I've been spending a lot of time reading a lot of comic books. It kind of it eases my anxiety and and definitely brings it down, and it helps me kind of get a hold on myself when I'm not feeling the best. Um, so, um, this chase is on to bring Bucky in, and you know when they do get him, at this point because Cap has been helping him out. Rhodey shows up and he's like, congratulations, Cap, you're now a fugitive. You're now, you're now a criminal, is what he said to him. And this is where you see the absolute split of the Avengers. And then they take him in and they put Bucky in this like holding thing. And, you know, they take T'Challa's suit. They take Cap's shield. They take Sam's wings. And then they write him out in invoice form. And Tony basically tells Steve, like, look, you're like, you're gonna tear the Avengers apart. 
What can we do to fix this? And then they come to some sort of agreement and Steve, Tony hands Steve the pens that were used to sign. I can't remember exactly what they were used to sign. And they get to talking about Howard Stark and how Steve was like, yeah, I knew him when he was a young man before he met your mother and stuff like that. And, you know, Tony's like, yeah, he, there's like, he always talked about you and how cool it was he knew Captain America. And then when it comes to certain things, you know, they're discussing how this is going to work. And then it came to something like Wanda and Tony felt one way about it. And, and that's where the breaking point was. Steve was like, she's a kid, Tony. She's a fucking kid. Like, it's not this serious. And then we find out that the guy who really caused all of this, who's been running around in the background, we're like, what the hell is this guy doing? And it turns out this guy is Baron Zemo. And if you're a fan of the comics, you know how incredibly dangerous Baron Zemo was. So he just wanted to cause the fall of the Empire, which he, you know, considered the Avengers to be. And he has the Hydra information to basically reactivate Bucky as the Winter Soldier. It's a combination of words. And Bucky's like, please stop, please stop. And Zemo keeps reading, and he basically reactivates Bucky as the Winter Soldier. Bucky busts out of this holding thing that they've got him in, and all hell breaks loose. And they're chasing him. They're trying to figure out where he's going. They're trying to stop him. And, you know, it's up to Steve, because this is his friend. And they get away, and Ross basically tells him, you've got X amount of hours to bring him in. And this is where the team splits. And this is where we get the airport, airport sequence, which is very important. And Tony and Natasha are talking, and she's like, well, who are we going to get? You know, we're going to need help. And Tony's like, I might have a guy in mind. And then next thing you know, Queens, New York. And he's sitting there having tea or something with Marissa Tomei, who turns out to be Aunt May in the MCU, which is super cool. And uh, I forget the lady who played her in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy. In the Andrew Garfield films, she was played by Sally Field. So they've picked really good actresses to play Aunt May in the film universe. So that's awesome. And uh, Peter comes in the door and he's like, his aunt's like, well, why didn't you tell me about the Stark internship? And Tony takes him in his room. He's like, I know who you are. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, oh, so this isn't you swinging through New York fighting crime? And he's like, okay. And he gives them a suit, and they go to Germany. And the airport sequence is phenomenal. And um, Spider-Man is the last person revealed. While this is all going on, Cap recruits Ant-Man for his team based on Sam's um, recommendation. And he's got Bucky as well. And he sends, they somehow got in touch with Clint and Clint goes to the Avengers facility to get Wanda and Vision doesn't want to let her leave. So there's a conflict there. So then the team is split. And if you look at the movie poster up front, Cap, then Sam, then Wanda, then Bucky, then Hawkeye. And then on Tony's side, it's Tony and Natasha and Rhodey and Vision and then the Black Panther. And then Spider-Man is the last one that we see. So then the battle at the airport, phenomenal. Just like the cinematography behind this scene is absolutely great. The choreography is absolutely great. Like whoever is responsible for this, bravo, because you did a phenomenal fucking job. Hats off to you. Um, so the fight sequence at the airport, super fucking dope. And Natasha, this is the thing about her. She wants peace because... This is the only family she has, aside from her family back in Russia. When Natasha dies in Endgame, and they ask, did she have any family? And Steve says, yeah, us. And then they're like, I just can't believe she's dead. There's no ways. And then, you know, Hawkeye flips out, and he's like, well, fine. You go back, and you tell the little spaceman that you can't believe she's dead. That was very emotional, but... 
Natasha didn't want the rift within the team because this was the only team she had. And especially with Clint. Again, referencing Endgame, getting the Soul Stone. When, when that part comes up, you're like, oh, fuck. One of them ain't gonna make it out of here. Like, we know. And, and, and then the thing is, Quill was gone because he went away in the snap. Nobody was there except for Nebula to tell them. And she didn't even tell them until they came back. And they're like, where's Nat? And she's like, Thanos went to Vormir with my sister to get the Soul Stone. And my sister didn't return. And it's like, you couldn't fucking tell us this before we traveled through time. But at the same time, in order to right what was wrong, somebody was going to have to make the ultimate sacrifice. And for Natasha, she knew that if they could get the stones and snap them and they could bring everybody back, that Clint would have his family. Natasha didn't have anybody to go back to, or so we thought, but we do get to see her somewhat family in Black Widow in theaters this fall. But she didn't want the conflict. She really didn't. And she only signed the accords basically with the understanding that they would have some sort of say in how things went on. But at the end of the day, the UN and the government had complete control over everything and they didn't know that. So, um, the battle of the airport rages on and Cap and Bucky take off. They're going to this Hydra base. And, you know, Panther is going to get him. And Natasha's like, I told you I would help you find them. I didn't say I would help you stop them. So the rest of them who don't make it out of the airport fight, who were on Cap's team, they get locked up. Clint, Ant-Man, Falcon, they all end up getting locked up on the raft. And if you know anything about Marvel Comics, you know how important the raft is. Um, and the raft played a big part in Marvel's Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4. That's probably one of the best sequences in the game when Spider-Man has to hop on the NYPD helicopter out to the raft, which, you know, sits outside of the island of Manhattan. Um, the raft is just basically this kind of military-grade prison where individuals with heightened powers are kept because you couldn't keep them in a regular prison so um you know tony goes to find out you know where'd they go can somebody tell me and the interesting thing is when paul rudd who plays um uh lang you know it's like yeah hank pym told me to never trust the stark and then that's a call back to um Jesus, what film? Oh, the first Ant-Man film, the first couple of minutes take place in the 80s. We get to see Peggy Carter in her 60s, as well as Howard Stark and Hank Pym. And Pym finds out that Stark had taken Pym particles. He had taken his research, not for personal gain, but for something else. And we actually, I don't think we ever find out what the point of Howard taking that stuff was for. But he did take the Pym particles. And that's why he told Lang, yo, never trust a Stark. Just never trust a Stark. So eventually Tony finds out where Cap and Bucky go. And Tony goes and he's like, I'm here to help, basically. And I want to bring this guy down. And this, at this point, they found out that it's Zemo who's behind everything. And it was never Bucky in the first place. And Zemo at that point has them right where he wants them. And Zemo turns on these monitors and it shows the footage of Howard and Maria Stark being killed, and of course at the hands of Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. Now the interesting thing about this to me is, it's a film and I get that, but where the fuck in the, in the, the dark country road full of trees were the cameras hiding that captured this footage? Did they just regularly have cameras out there, or how did that work? Because I never understood that part, unless Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D., had some sort of a drone and had drone technologies back technology back in the 80s or 90s. I don't remember exactly. I believe it was the 80s where Howard and Stark, were, uh, Howard and Maria Stark were killed. Unless they had some sort of some sort of drone technology, 
how the fuck, you know, is anybody able to get this video? But alas, we do have the video. And you, again, this is a testament to Robert Downey Jr. as an actor. His face, the way that... What Robert Downey Jr. did for the MCU cannot be quantified by my words. I want to say that. But the way his face contorted when he found out that Bucky killed his parents and he asked Steve, did you know? And Steve's like, Tony, and he's like, did you know? And he said, yes, I did. And at that point, Tony lost it. And, you know, Steve's like, Bucky, get out of here. And Tony's like, no. And Bucky's going up, trying to get out of there. And Tony tries to fly up and Cap grabs his leg to try to stop him. And he's trying to take him out with his fucking blasters on his suit. And all this is going on. And Steve's like, these are like two of my best friends. I cannot let this happen. And Steve, of course, jumps in and intervenes on behalf of Bucky. And he and Tony have this all-out incredible fight. And in my opinion, in the MCU, I think it's one of the top three fights by far. And um, just the back and forth and the choreography of Cap and Bucky tossing the shield back and forth and using it to hit Tony, I thought it was masterful. And as all this is going on, Zemo is sitting outside in the snow and he's listening to a voicemail and it turns out the voicemail is of his wife saying hurry home basically their son missed him and then we find out that Zemo his family was there in Sokovia and they were killed and that was basically the reason for him doing all of this and while he's listening T'Challa is creeping up on him and every bit of him wants to kill Zemo, but he wants to see him in prison more than that. And had it been me, I don't know if I would have had the wherewithal to not kill the guy, honestly, who killed my father and basically ripped apart all these other people's lives. Because remember, Zemo set off these bombs that killed other people at the UN. It wasn't just King T'Chaka who died. There were other casualties there. So that in itself is very very interesting as well and as the tony and cap fight is ending and he's basically remember cap has this serum coursing through his veins and that's why he is who he is but for tony tony doesn't have any superhero powers it's all the suit and this goes back to the first avengers where cap and tony were not getting along when they first met each other he's like you think you're so tough go put on the suit and then the helicarrier gets hit and then cap's like oh shit go put on the suit and tony's like yeah yeah you're right so tony's not a superhero by any stretch of the imagination it's all the fucking suit cap has just beat this guy down and damaged the suit and as he's walking away any one of us who's ever been in an argument or a fight and we always have to have the last word even if we know we're wrong and we got dismantled and eviscerated, we have to have the last word. And for Tony, that was, that's not your shield. It doesn't belong to you. My father made that shield. And then Cap leaves the shield behind. And I thought that the, the fact that they included that in the scene was masterful. And the writers, bravo to them because that was awesome. And Cap leaving that shield behind was him saying, this is my best friend. I've known this guy since 1920. The country has used me. S.H.I.E.L.D. has used me. HYDRA has used me to fight their battles. And this guy is the only guy that understands what I've gone through. Not only because he's my best friend since the 1920s, but also because HYDRA did the same thing to him. And this is me leaving behind the Avengers in this life. And this is me going off to do whatever. And this would reconcile with Steve Rogers, the nomad, the, the period of time where he was not Captain America. And uh, I just thought that that filmmaking was absolutely masterful, the way that he drops the shield and just kind of walks away. So then Zemo ends up in prison, and it's not safe for Bucky to be out. So Steve takes him to Wakanda at this point. T'Challa understands this is not the guy responsible for the death of my father. So he agrees to hide Bucky in Wakanda. 
and Steve just kind of goes off to be the nomad. Now, remember in the airport fight, um, Wanda went down and Vision was kind of attending to Wanda and Tony's like, hey, Vision, I got somebody on me. I got somebody on my six and Vision turns around and fires a shot and it was supposed to go at Falcon and Falcon moved at the last minute and the shot hit Rhodey and Rhodey's suit starts to go down and Rhodey crashes to the ground and then it basically paralyzes him from the waist down and the film closes at the Avengers compound where Rhodey, Tony has basically developed uh, some sort of an exoskeleton to help Rhodey walk and he's helping them and then we have our Stan Lee um, we have our Stan Lee cameo, um, where Stan Lee shows up as a FedEx delivery guy, and he delivers a letter from Steve and a flip phone for Tony, and he's like, I'm sorry, I hurt you, Tony, you know, I did know, you have to understand, basically, the guy's my best friend, he's all I have left of my world, it's two different worlds, from 1945 to 2016, completely two different worlds um captain america is the man out of time that's always been the reference to captain america so you know he's like you know if you ever need me tony this is how you can reach me and i'll always be there for you and then the film ends upon steve being out at the raft uh showing up and we see a shadow and then he breaks everybody out of the raft and um you know, Clint basically took a deal, is my understanding. Clint took a deal and kind of went into house arrest or went home. Barton, I mean, I'm sorry, Lang went under house arrest. Um, Vision and Wanda took off together and started this relationship. And I think that I would have to imagine that with the Disney Plus Wanda Vision show, it's going to be one of two things. Either this is going to be stuff that took place when Wanda and Vision were off having this romantic relationship, or it's going to be Wanda having visions, and it's a play on words, Wanda Vision. Um, so I'm not sure how that's going to work. Um, the production on that was unfortunately affected by the COVID virus. A lot of the production on a lot of Disney Plus stuff uh, was affected by the COVID virus. So we'll see how that all plays out. But um, Civil War, it's just, for me, it's the tops. It's the best film on the franchise to me. And people often ask, well, what do you think? Who, who has the best films? And I always say Cap. Cap's trilogy is untouched. Iron Man 1 is really good. Iron Man 2 is... Uh, Iron Man 3. I did watch it a couple weeks ago. It's not as bad as I thought. But... It certainly pales in comparison to what they did for Captain America's trilogy. And then when you're talking about Thor's trilogy, Ragnarok is the only good film in my opinion. Um, Thor and Thor the Dark World just don't do it for me, neither of them. So then I'd have to rank them. Cap has the best trilogy, then Tony, and Thor's dead freaking last. So... In terms of this, you know, and people ask, well, how'd you come to Civil War being number one? And I was like, well, unequivocally, to me, it's the best film in the MCU because I like for things to be dark. I want the characters to be put in a dark position, and I want to see how they're going to find their way out of it. Much like in the Harry Potter universe, my favorite films are the later films as they get older in Hogwarts because it's darker. From the half-foot-like... Um, the Goblet of Fire is pretty dark, so I would say the Goblet of Fire on through the end, really good. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, the Goblet of Fire. When we're talking about the Star Wars universe, my favorite films are the dark films. Empire, Rogue One. Rogue One and Empire are the best two Star Wars films by far, and it's not even close. And everybody's like, well, Rogue One is an anthology film, it doesn't count. Shut up. It counts. It's top two. And it's hard to put it at number two. And then Revenge of the Sith because we finally get to see what pushed Anakin Skywalker so deep over the edge that he joined the dark side. 
Um, I just want the characters to be in peril, and I want to see how they find their way out of it. So, Civil War is about as bad as you can get, with the exception of Infinity War. And a lot of people are like, well, you really think Infinity War is better than Endgame? Yeah, absolutely, unequivocally. Endgame is really comical. After, you know, think about all the stuff where they're trying to figure out time travel. Like, they turn Scott Lang into a baby. That's comedy. Hulk taking the picture while eating the big plate of eggs and sausage with the kids. That's comedy. Thor and Korg and Meek playing Fortnite in New Asgard. That is all comedy. It's not at all dark. Infinity War is dark from the word go. You hear the cries of the people of Asgard as the film opens up. It's dark from the word go. And even the setting of Tony going to the Sanctum Santorium to talk to Strange and and uh, Bruce and Wong that's the set of that set alone how they don't have any lights on in there it's very dark excuse me excuse me um there's no light coming in from the windows it's very freaking dark to the fact that where wong talks about the big bang and the creation of the infinity stones all of that looks like you're in some sort of a planetarium so the darker films are generally always my favorite because I want to see, this is how you got here. How do you find your way out of this? So, again, that's my list. And I'll recap it again. Number 10, Endgame. Number 9, Iron Man. Number 8, Black Panther. Number 7, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Number 6, The First Avenger. Number 5, Thor Ragnarok. Number 4, Age of Ultron. Number 3, Infinity War. Number 2, Winter Soldier. And number 1, Captain America Civil War. That is my top 10. Um, again, sitting there and picking my 10 favorite MCU films was not hard. Putting them in the order from 10 to 1 was the hardest part. And a lot of people ask me like, oh, this is your list? How come Spider-Man's not on there? That's your guy. Well, to be completely honest with you, Homecoming was good. Far From Home was pretty good. But they don't stack up to the rest of the stuff in the MCU. Maybe the third Spider-Man film will, but as of yet, it's just not there. So, you know, I reserve the right to revisit this list at any time and make revisions or anything like that. But for right now, this is the list. And again, if you're listening to this on the free feeds, if you want to hear the other nine episodes, go to patreon.com slash allournonsense. I want to thank you guys for going on this journey with me. And again, I want to thank you guys for your patience in the interim it's been pretty tough and um salute to all you guys remember black lives matter yes all lives matter but black lives are being taken at a disproportionately rapid rate and it's always been that way and until the system changes there will always be civil unrest uh again my name is derek thank you very much and good day <laughs>